Vox Quick Hits. I'm Eliza Barkley, Vox's science, health, and climate editor. This April, our podcasts are teaming up to cover some of the most important issues threatening life on Earth. From sustainability to biodiversity to straight-up cool things about the natural world, we'll focus on our planet and its limits in episodes throughout the month. Tune in to Today Explained, Vox Conversations, The Weeds, Unexplainable, Worldly, Future Perfect, and Vox Quick Hits. Want to listen to all the shows? Find them at vox.com slash earthmonth. What you're about to hear is just a preview of a much longer and deeper conversation. And trust me, you're going to want to hear the rest of it. You can find the full episode of Vox Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Vox Conversations. As you might know, Vox.com is doing a whole spate of programming related to Earth Month. Today on the show is my former and now occasional Vox colleague, David Roberts. And he's taking on the Earth Month mission in a big way. In this episode, David talks with Jessica Transick, an MIT professor and climate researcher. Here's David. One aspect of innovation that you emphasize a lot is around equity and um, sort of climate justice or environmental justice has really been a big thing in, uh, in the climate world lately. It's really kind of come to the forefront of the conversation. I think it's really risen up the agenda of climate groups and democratic politicians you know, a lot of people can sort of intuitively understand what it means for some policies to take equity into account. Like if you're doing big investments, you know, you channel some investments to frontline communities, or if you're doing regulations, you take care to make sure that frontline communities don't get stuck with the dirty facilities, et cetera. I don't think it's quite as intuitive to people how equity should inform innovation. Innovation kind of seems like something people are doing off in labs somewhere, kind of unconnected to the political realities of equity, but you think that they are are intimately related. So explain a little bit how you can approach innovation policy with with equity in mind. You know, how I how I think about this is that innovation that focuses on equity is innovation that focuses on solutions that are accessible to all and not just the wealthy. Uh, and I think that that's really important. There are a number of ways in which we can and we really should shift our focus to, to kind of really bring this to the forefront. So I can give you a concrete example, which is in the realm of electric vehicles. If policies are encouraging the adoption of, of electric vehicles, but not encouraging lower cost electric vehicles to be made available, you know, so depending on how you write the policy, you're incentivizing companies to innovate toward a $70,000, you know, Tesla Model S versus a $10,000 electric vehicle that is available in some markets in Asia. And depending on how you set up your, your policy, if you are not taking that into account, innovation is not necessarily going to be equitable. There's a big push right now uh, by the government to think about where to put charging stations. I mean, really, it's about incentivizing private companies to develop business models and, you know, install charging stations and so forth. But again, how those programs are set up, how those policies are set up are going to lead to different kinds of locations for charging stations. If you set it up so that 
you're driving down the cost and you're encouraging business model innovation to make it easier to install chargers at home, that's only going to capture a certain segment of the population. A lot of people living in urban areas that aren't as wealthy may not have off-street parking. And so you need to set up those programs so that you innovate towards solutions that would put chargers on public streets or in public parking lots. So those are just two specific examples. But at all of these levels where government comes in and kind of nudges forward these innovation processes, I think it's important and, and really imperative to, to think about equity. It also goes hand in hand with addressing climate change, because at the end of the day, it's really important to have this society-wide shift and these climate solutions need to be available to, to everyone. So do you think the actual people involved in developing the technologies themselves and doing the sort of technical work, do you think they need to have equity in mind or is this just something that kind of the policymakers should add on later? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the technology we're talking about, but I don't think the policymakers should add it on later. I think the policy incentives need to be there so that people are working on, you know, in the case of manufacturing cars, they're working on the models that have the smaller battery capacities that are going to cost $10,000, you know, rather than the much more expensive ones. That also can lead to technology improvement. You know, if you're if right. you're making lots of cars, you're selling them, those technologies are going to improve. You may not have as high a margin, but that's where policy comes in and says, okay, for the greatest incentives to stimulate this market, we're actually going to focus on the lower cost electric vehicles. And, you know, sometimes it's really important for the engineers working on developing the technologies to have these considerations in mind. If I'm if I'm looking at developing a charging scheme, let's say, for electric vehicles, and I'm kind of working out the math and figuring out where I can put these stations so they won't overwhelm the grid and all of that, if I don't have in mind the fact that if I put it, you know, on this public street or in all these all these private parking spots, if I don't have in mind that that has a really big impact on who will be able to adopt them, I might just go for whichever one it seems easiest for getting the most cars on the road. But yeah, it's it's ultimately not the path to a society-wide climate solution. So I don't know if that, does that make sense? I, I, it, it does. I mean, I think you're just, you know, it's reemphasizing the point that innovation doesn't take place in a vacuum. It takes place in a certain system, a certain set of incentives. You know, it's not just sort of someone sitting in a chair thinking somewhere. They're responding to yeah. policy and to society as it's as it's constructed, the Republican Party these days has, has I think, decided that climate denialism has run its course and is no longer politically advantageous. And so they're trying to shift to some sort of modified acceptance and finding their own policy way into this. And, and what they're talking about a lot is innovation. They say the word innovation a lot. But I think to someone who, who sort of fashions themselves an economic conservative, the way they think of innovation is you spend a bunch of money on R&D, basically. You spend a bunch of money on science and what people are doing in labs and maybe help them with a demonstration project or two. But beyond that, you let the market take over, right? 
going beyond that to to do these market policies or these other policies that sort of dictate later stage innovation, you're getting into Soviet style central planning, uh, you know, which is always going to be a disaster, et cetera, et cetera. So politically, there's this idea that innovation is sort of confined to early stage. What is the relationship of kind of the government to the private sector in that kind of post-demonstration project phase of innovation, where you're talking about big market forces. Like, you don't want to, obviously, winners, it's the way the Republicans put it. How do you sort of address the kind of economic conservative concern that we should get out of the way once there's markets involved? Yeah, I mean, I think getting out of the way once a technology has been demonstrated and kind of just giving it to the market is is a recipe for failure because often, you know, in, in the clean energy space, and we we saw this in solar energy, wind energy, lithium-ion battery technologies, like once we were able to build these technologies, they still weren't quite cost competitive. You needed those early subsidies and those subsidies can take on different forms. I mean, they could be a price on carbon, they could be, you know, market wide, or they could be technology specific in each case, right. you know, and depending on where you are in the world, a different option might be more viable and better, but, but you need those incentives so that the markets for these technologies can grow. Otherwise you've made this investment in research and development, and it's not going to go anywhere. And that's, you know, that's really not a good use of, of taxpayers' dollars. And so I just can't say enough how critical it is to invest in research, development, demonstration, but also in deployment and in incentives to grow markets. So we saw this for solar energy. We saw that 60% of the cost decline in solar panels came from policies around the world to grow markets for solar energy. And we wouldn't be in the place where we are today with solar energy, with wind energy, uh, without these policies to incentivize the growth in markets. If you like the show, let us know. Room for Improvement, we want to hear that too. We're curious to know what you think, what you want more of, what we could improve. And if you have ideas for future guests, guest hosts, or topics, send us your thoughts at voxconversations at vox.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate and review, and come back next week for a brand new episode.